Hello, listeners. If you celebrated, we'd like to wish all a happy Easter and or Resurrection Day. We hope everyone had a great day. This is part one of a three-part diary entry with Anthony Red called Walking on the Moon. Enjoy. Welcome to the Apprenticeship Diaries, where raw meets refined. Let's be real, we're still working on refined. <laughs> what it took, what it takes, and the stories that are made. Join us as we learn from professionals about how their stories begin. Awesome. Welcome, Apprenticeship Diary listeners. I'm here today with a very special guest. This is really cool, actually. Uh, we reconnected. This is my first boyfriend, Anthony Red. And um, uh, we reconnected recently, unfortunately, for the passing of his mother. She passed away, and uh, she was such a, I mean, obviously to him, uh, the bearer of life, but for me, uh, like a second mother in a lot of ways, definitely an angel walking. She was very important to me. So, uh, we started talking again and it's been really cathartic and it led me to want to interview him because, uh, you are say hi, <laughs> by up? the way, what's up? <laughs> yeah, it's all audio. I, I'm, I want to move to video eventually, but um, the video editing, as you well know, is, is a whole other animal. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I uh, well, I wanted to, to interview you because you've been reinvesting in yourself and, and you've always been an artist, always been a creative. But um, it's it's been, you know, my journey has been a lot more formal than yours. Yours has not been. And I think for the Apprenticeship Diaries, this is an amazing, um, you're an amazing person to talk to. So, you know, without further ado, I'll kind of let you go because this is your spotlight. I mean, my questions that I sent you, they they really don't, they really don't lend to this <laughs> that <Right>. much. <laughs> but like how, how, I guess what I can ask you first is, um, I guess what, what always was the thing that, that was the spark? Like, what was your environment? I know that the, what I've seen of you lately has been a lot of commentary about what your environment has been that has kind of led you to the creations that you've made. So I guess start talking about that. Go back as far as you need. Uh, I came late to making art and creativity. I really didn't. I was more focused on the physical part of life growing up, sports. Uh, we did like street gymnastics, flipping off of walls and mattresses and playing football. So I didn't really get into any type of creative or be considered anything artistic until like high school. I just started writing poetry and like short stories. Mm, yeah, like short stories and I was just in the writing just like you know I had one short story about a girl who had dreams and dreams would be projected on a screen and people would be identified by what kind of soul they had hmm. so it was like pure souls and you know that was pretty much it and I didn't really get into anything else until I became obsessed with music and sound and 
it was to the point where I was like, how did they make that? Like, what, you know, instrument was that? Was that a bass? Was that a guitar? Was that drums? So I started off just liking pretty much what everybody else liked who was around me, like rap. And then sometime around 10th, 11th grade, I was like, hearing like grunge and the Red Hot Chili Peppers, like Under the Bridge and Alice in Chains. And I was like, I saw like a Pearl Jam video for Jeremy on MTV when they played videos. And I was blown away. I was like, this is a level of emotionality that I really wasn't getting from rap or hip hop. So I was just like really fascinated. And I was like, maybe I can do this one day. Maybe I can make music when I graduated. I got that apartment on Park Avenue. And I was like, I'm going to learn guitar. You know, I had a guitar. I'm going to teach myself. And yeah, it didn't it didn't work as far as learning guitar myself. I don't know if it's a mathematical or a sort of number logic, logical mind you have to have, but it didn't, it was really hard. I learned some chords, but nowhere near like learning songs or anything. So I graduated and then I went to Essex Community College and I didn't realize that I was struggling with like a like sort of like a mood disorder, just kind of like down. But I was like, I'm going to start a band. I'm going to meet people. And it didn't really happen. I took a basic music class and then I took a voice class. And the teacher was very kind, but just said, you know, you're, you're kind of like tone deaf. <laughs> you're like, and I was like, I was like, you know, it's just another barrier, barrier to slow me down. And I think shortly after that, uh, we met uh, at the gym I was working at. And I knew, like, right away, like, when I first saw you, I was like, whoa, like, sort of uh, electric, strong energy went through my body. And I was like, wow, that's different. <laughs> that's strong feeling about, you know, a person. So I think you asked for a pair of goggles, if I remember. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I got a pair. This is a great excuse to strike up a conversation. Like something, a connection was meant to be had. And we just started hanging out. But on the artistic journey, you were important in shifting my, my path because we... <laughs> We had a, there was a New Year's Eve party. My friend Marlo's father, Greg, uh, had, and it was supposed to be, you know, my first performance. And I was going by invoking and I had some music and I, I did the performance. It's on video. I haven't you have, watched it. You have, uh, just to pause you for a second, but you know, everybody should know that you have the word invoking tattooed across your stomach. That's your, the first tattoo that I really noticed about you. It's distinct because it's, <laughs> it's huge. And I think it's, and I think it's appropriate um, for you. Yeah, it was my first tattoo. And when I, it's ballsy. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody told me it didn't hurt. Like in high school, they were like, oh, I got a tattoo, and I think it was smaller, like smaller tattoos, like mm -hmm. Japanese lettering, which Japanese lettering was really hot. Oh, it was really hot, but but um, you got that along with a symbol too. It was it was that and a symbol. 
Yeah, Uranus. Mm-hmm. The funny word. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I got that below it. It was going to be originally in German, which I'm glad that I didn't pursue that. I'm glad uh, too. That been... Yeah. Well, when I sat down for the tattoo at Little Vinny's on Liberty Road, the guy was like, wow, you're going big for your first tattoo. And I was like, hey, that's what I want. And I had a, a, a woman I was seeing at the time was going to sit with me and, you know, provide some sort of encouragement. And the first touch of the needle, I was like, man, oh, I'm man. in for this. I'm in for it. And there was no backing out you know, as far as I'm concerned. I considered it like a tribal rite of passage. Oh, that it is. It is. From what I read about going from a boy to a man. So, so yeah, that was that. That too. <laughs> and um, it's, my, it's my favorite. And the I like it a lot party, too. I, I love it. It still looks kind of fresh if you put lotion on. <laughs> <laughs> so the the New Year's Eve party, I did. I think I did a song, and maybe, and I was like the unofficial DJ. I still have the tape. Like I looked at it. I got a VHC uh, video cassette, and I can put the little tapes in from high school and. You were actually the videographer of that. You know, what's crazy is I don't remember any of this. Yeah, you were like the videographer. We had. Oh, it's got to be a horrible, horrible video then. It's great. Are you serious? Yeah, you described everything. You interviewed people. um, You have to share this with me. I have no idea. I do not remember the shit at all. I I can. It was like 2002. It It was a while ago, so. It's That's why I record things. Yeah. It's 2002, going on 2002. Wow. Yeah. Man, that's crazy. I only, I only know this because I, I watched it uh, fairly recently. And that's why I like doing this shit, man, because uh, time, it flies and you don't. You don't realize, and I think that people, you know, now that we have actual digital records of things, people are able to look back and be like, whoa, you know, like that, that's something I did and be a lot more, the the possibilities for consciousness is so much more there, which is really, really cool. Um, I mean, it it can do a lot of great things. It's proven to do a lot of crazy things, um, which, you know, we're capable as human beings of doing all things. So it's, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it can remind you of a lot, but I've, I've really enjoyed it for what it's been able to, um, teach me. Uh, it's, it's been a good teacher, but you know, again, like had you not brought that up, I have no recollection of any of this, none of it. Actually, this is why I record things because you can sort of time travel because consciousness and memory work in a specific way we kind of remember what we need to remember mm-hmm. and some of the other stuff gets pushed you know some say like the subconscious or whatever but I like to you know just I, I'm a cancer so it's that sentimentality that memory of oh I want to go back to 1998 well how can you do that well you go you know pop in a recording or a video and there it is you know mm-hmm. so it, it was 
So what happened was I did the performance and we had a great night. People did poetry. It was like uh, the, the friend's father was very into art and performance and writing. And the, the loft itself was like. Did he have artist. turtles? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I do remember that. He had a really dope turtle setup in his wall of his apartment. He had a dope wall, uh, a, a dope apartment. It was a, a yeah. sweet apartment. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it was like it was like an art piece itself. It was. I remember there was one point where you went through the wine and it was like Zinfandel. Yes. <laughs> I've changed my taste uh, since, <laughs> but I do like Zinfandel um, still. It's it's appropriate at times. Yeah, it was it was cool. I I got the tape. You had you had informed me that I couldn't sing, and I was also thinking it was another barrier to my eventual career as a musician and singer. So what happened was I got the tape. <laughs> yeah, I got the tape and I played it back and I heard myself trying to sing. And I was like, you know what? Nope, nope, nope. That's it. That That's it. the power of recording yourself. I keep telling people, I'm like, you, I know it sucks. I know it sucks to record yourself and to look at it, but I, I consider it mirroring. That's the problem. I think that a lot of people uh, come against and, and certainly myself, I'm not removed from this critique, but until you are able, I call it mirroring third eye is what my aunt just recently told it, developing your third eye, the ability to step outside of yourself and look at it from a, um, you know, a purely, I guess it would be uh, objective level of just, you know, what it is and be truthful. And, and that, that is something that it, it, it's hard because you have to face a lot of demons, a lot of things. And she came up with that. She had never read the picture of Dorian Gray. I told her about that, gave her a little synopsis, but um, you know, that's, that's a very important thing that if you want to grow as a person, you have to be willing to, to look at things objectively like that. And, um, you know, detach a little, it's, it's a little sociopathic, honestly. Um, but it, it's, it's the thing that helps you, um, analyze and, and grow from there. So, and recording yourself, I love audio because for me, I don't know, there's something, again that tribal kind of thing of it like we you can you can hear somebody's soul like i feel like that's where the soul is almost it's in music it's in all those things you can feel the emotion in music but like with a person's voice you can hear their soul you can hear them when they're smiling you can hear them when they're you know certain inflections how they how they poise a conversation you can hear it in the tone of their voice it's very very cool and um I think you can learn a lot about yourself if you're willing to listen to yourself. Most people hate, most people hate the sound of their own voice. <laughs> yeah, I've had to overcome that lately because of the monologue with the, the series I've been working on. Yeah, that was, that was a shift. That was a real shift to, well, I'm just going to do the instrumental, the musical part. Cause I, I actually did a CD where it was vocals and I hated that too. So I was like, all right, I've got enough mirroring, as you say, enough message where as well, this is not going to work. So it's kind of like little miss sunshine where 
Have you seen that movie? Little Miss yeah, Sunshine? I love that movie. Yeah, there's a the son wants to be a fighter pilot, and he realizes that he's colorblind, and he just goes into a field and just yells like the loudest yell he can make. And they're like, "What's wrong, Dwayne? What's wrong?" And he's like, "I can't, you know, can't fly. You know, I'm colorblind." And then I think at one point he's like, "Look, fuck it. I'm gonna fly. I'm gonna do what I want. You know, the Naval Academy. Be damned. I'm gonna fly some way somehow." So just continuing to work on music, you know, was my way of being like, "Well, be damned. I'm still gonna work on music." Yeah, but I there's ever since I've known you, I feel like there's this um this struggle between you know you started with it by saying you know it was just typical you know football sports you know the physical you know kid thing but but you've never been typical like that that if that had been the course of things that would have been the course of things there was something that pulled you away that was soulful that like and and that certainly connected us and that and it set you down a path of creating art because i feel like your your soul your emotionality needed voice. It needed something different than what your environment could actually give you, right? Yeah, I, I wanted to transform from one thing to another. It was like all this conditioning, like religious conditioning, neighborhood, parent, parental, and it was all in my head. It was a full, and I was like, I can't do this, I can't do that. And I was like, I saw a vision of what I wanted to be. It was like a visual thing. It was a hair thing. It was a ability thing and I got into the apartment on Park Avenue and television didn't really work it didn't have cable which was a blessing because I just read books and got really spent a lot of time by myself and that was really really helpful to just like oh who am I apart from all these influences that I've grown up with and I was sort of able to sort of self-mold self-create I was into esoteric actual to me honestly like because when you when we met um you know i i only i only had my my one view and i wasn't um I, i've struggled with reading most of my life that's been a a problem with me uh is reading well uh i i comp- i comprehend well but my reading capabilities i don't know if i'm a bit dyslexic, but when I was growing up, reading was hard. So I didn't read very much. I listened a lot and I was very attuned to like my experience just because I I could connect dots very well. And that's kind of how I got through school for a very long time, not knowing how to read. So when I met you, of course, your environment, uh, I mean, everything about you, uh, you know, I'm white, you're black, you know, you grew up in the city. I grew up, I grew up more rural suburbs. Um, yeah. you know, <laughs> you grew up in a, in a single, you know, a parent home. I grew up with both my parents. I mean, we, we had, I'm, I'm a girl, you're a boy. Like it, it was complete opposites in so many ways. Yeah. In fact, um, you're a cancer and I'm a Virgo. Now we're not, we're not directly opposites, but as far as what rules us, I'm more logic, you're more emotionality. So we were, <laughs> and, and your influence was there. And it came a lot from that time you spent by yourself because I had never spent time by myself. I was seeking that and that's what I was craving. So to meet somebody like you who had spent such extensive time, just trying to and that was the thing. Um, this is kind of why my mom calls you the dark prince, because she's like, that fucker, like, 
corrupting my kid, you know? Like <laughs> I, I thought about that term and I'm like, well, at least I'm a prince. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It could be something else, like a dark frog. Of, well, you know, it's iconic, right? Like I, uh, I went through an experience recently that I'm, I'm going to make, I'm going to write this in a screenplay because it's the only fucking way that this can be worth it. What I just experienced, it was the worst trip of my life but the whole thing is iconic and it had it had all the characters i had the sage character it had it had all these weird little in i mean it was a movie what i experienced was a comedy of errors and it was instantly funny as soon as we survived i'm not gonna let more out than that my god dude but that's that's what it is like the dark prince you're you're this and that's that i think you know, you're very in tune, I think, in a lot of ways uh, uh, with yourself in that way, with with wanting to to connect from the source. Lisa, I've always known you. And that's probably why you did get a little tangle when you met me, because we were meant we were meant to meet like uh, very soulmated people in a lot of ways, because we had yeah. I think we had to meet in order to set set each other on our paths in a lot of way deep influence so i mean that's why i agree yeah kind of having you here because it's it's important for people to understand yeah we weren't really connecting for a long time and it it actually really bothered me because i was like that was a really influential person in my life and really showed me some things about being a a true artist and I'm really glad that we were able to, even though it was something that was, you know, people see death in different ways that was somewhat tragic, but it's like the lovely bones when the girl does pass on and she's in, she's in the sort of in between and she watches the different connections that happen because she's not there. You know, in a certain way, it could be, you know, my mom going, oh yeah, you know, I kind of was able to put that back together in a way. So. I'm really thankful for that. And as far as, you know, the initial meeting, you just follow the feeling that the, yeah. the connection, you know, was there. And you, I think you lived in an apartment on like, it was like Love Street or it was like somewhere in Mount Vernon. And- yeah, with two other girls that, and that, that was, it's, that was a whole other, you know, here i mean so many heroes journeys like so many little when you take each one i'm very excited about this screenplay if i can do it it might open up a whole other thing i've wanted to write for a while um but yeah like there's so many little vignettes of experience that i can call to that i'm like wow you know that was that was a that was a comedy of errors like that was trial by fire man like invoking you know like and and i had this part to play you know and sometimes it's not a great part sometimes it was i was really not the hero or a good a good entity (laughs) a lot of time i I don't remember those roommates at all like when i went (laughs) to see you it was like they didn't exist it was like i was just going to see you and they were very rarely around they didn't like me they didn't like me very much. I wanted to be liked by them, but I wasn't. I I wasn't ready to be in that kind of situation because I I I had yeah. never 
I had never had that kind of situation. I didn't, and I was, I, I'm still a very self-involved person, but like, uh, I like my own space. I like, I like to dictate my own terms very, very much. So like that. So I can't imagine I was an easy person to live with. <laughs> yeah. I, I was the only child. So when it was like, you're going to be in this period where you're alone. And I've had several periods where it was like, Oh, there's months of kind of, isolation in a way it was, it was like oh this is okay because I kind of grew up like this with being a latchkey kid you know parents working all the time so the imagination really got developed because it was like well how am I going to entertain myself and dating myself but it wasn't really like cable or the internet so it was like well you create this little world and your imagination so you can get by on time and entertain yourself and I would do really I was a wrestler you know and some sometimes I would you know tie socks around my arms and you know be in my underwear and jumping on the bed beating up the pillow and sometimes I was interviewing myself because I just won an award or or an Oscar what'd you think about that oh you know it was kind of hard but you know I kind of develop your imagination with your toys or whatever you know yeah. It was the 80s. I still do that. Uh, I I mean, I haven't even re- written the screenplay yet, and I'm thinking about what interviews I'm going to do once it's written, you know, like what I'm going to say, because it's going to be it's going to be a hit. Like, it's already that way in my head, you know. Um, you you got to think like that. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah you do but you got to balance it and that's I actually was talking to Rico earlier today. Uh, I was like, you know, my problem is uh, we both we both overthink he's more of the worrying type that thinks of all the things that could happen that are that are negative which I yeah. appreciate because I don't think about that at all and that's where I get in trouble I think too much about this is this is has to be a success like there's no way this can't be a success and that's not good either and it, it screws people up. Like it can really, it, the it, it's fine if you keep it all to yourself or you have it be your own, your own thing. But if you try to bring other people in, you have, you have to be a good organizer and you have to be a good delegator. That's what I'm really striving to become better at. Uh, because I do, I, you know, both you and I, we have these visions and we want to make them bigger and in order to do that, you have to think bigger and you have to be able to bring people into your experience and know how to, how to, you know, make it work and, and utilize people at their best so that everybody is seen and heard and recognized. It's hard. Yeah. It's a balancing factor when you bring other people in or different perspectives. If there, if there isn't some sort of ego, ego, situation going on that sort of derails the thing i think it can be really beneficial to somebody else going, oh, you might want to tweak that or uh, look at it that way or use that angle um, i had a assistant camera person who has been very helpful i call him up say hey we want to oh man you know i'm excited just to do anything you're doing because you usually get to something kind of crazy so <laughs> It makes the work better, you know, especially with video or photo. You know, you want somebody to hold a light or direct something or make sure something because you can't really, you can do it, 
yourself, but I think it comes out, you know, maybe somewhat more polished sometimes when you have other people involved. Yep. You know. You're totally you're you're way better at that than than I am. Perhaps um perhaps because of uh your environment, you've you've had to call upon a lot more people for that kind of influence. I don't know, but um I'm very stubborn and I, I know it's to my detriment. <laughs> no, I've done a ton of stuff by myself. Like <laughs> I didn't have I didn't have any artists in the family. There was no roadmap at all. I call it walking on the moon. It was like, well, I think this is how you do this. I'm just going to go out and try to do it. I'm going to go out and shoot a bunch of stuff and go back to the computer, see if I got anything good. It was really learn as you go. There was no, it's like the John Waters movie, Pecker. It's like in Baltimore, it's such a, like, I got this job. I got to pay these bills, you know, take care of practical needs first. Art is sort of, at least in the inner, you know, working city people that I was sort of family, people I was around, it, it really wasn't a factor. Art wasn't a thing, you know. But, but it it's amazing because you are so much of that. Like, I, I'm just thinking about all the different, you know, films that I saw because of you, like that are very niche, you know, like that are not commonly known like pie for example and you know like you were really into and i forget the name of it you'll probably know it right when i say it but like um i believe we watched it's about a schizophrenic um guy that um oh i can't remember the full the full mark of this um movie but it was basically they're so obscure. They're like, yeah. they're, they're things that you have to watch and really pay attention to um, yeah. and be in the moment. Pio is Darren Aronofsky. And is, this guy was like, just like a math genius. He's like totally isolated. Like, I'm going to figure out how the stock market works. What's the pattern? And it was all about, oh, there's patterns in nature. There's spirals. Mm-hmm. You know? yep. Like, what is the pattern? Fibonacci's um, sequence. You know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was definitely suffering from something. Like that. Oh, Yo, yeah. But that's the thing, right? Like, brilliance comes, I think, from being that different, to have having this, you know, kind of being willing to, again, detach from what's happening from you, step outside of it, and looking at it from a different angle that most people don't. Um, yeah, like Campbell entering the dark forest. You know, mm-hmm. there's a path that's there it's not yours yeah that's sort of that sort of thing and it's embracing sort of the unknown it's like well I'm not gonna go this way that all the people I know are kind of going it's got this like individual sort of path I'm gonna just follow my my bliss my feelings what what am I passionate about I'm just gonna follow that yeah and life life kind of allowed me to do that it gave me kind of the space and you know, you were really, I think you were really like the first you know, artistic person that I had a, formed a close relationship to. And I remember going to where you lived at and you like, you had like self portraits on the wall. And, you know, I was like, wow, that's kind of cool. You know, like painting yourself. <laughs> and I know you were at 
at the Maryland Institute and things like that. And I was just like, wow, you know, I, I used to sneak into that place. Um, <laughs> there was the security, the security was not what it, what it was. Uh, can you hear me still? Yeah, I can still hear you. Did I freeze? Okay. No, I got these, uh, like this head, like headset on, like earbuds, and it's like recharged. So we'll see. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I, I stuck into the Maryland Institute and used the computers. Like I like chilled in there. Like I was in there, like looking at books. And, like wow, you know, I live close to here, I, and in my mind, I was gonna make a bunch of friends that uh, was at the school and. I couldn't have been further from reality. Well, that, see, and that's the reason why um, a big part of this podcast is because, uh, well, I've been through both, right? Like I've been through formal education and I've also now been an apprentice. And I can tell you honestly that apprenticeship is where it's at. Uh, there's nothing better than than learning something uh day by day while you're actually in the trenches applying what what you need to for a specific job i'm not going to take away from the fact that i had um you know the 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 things that happened in the formal education i'm not um because it was valuable too it's definitely valuable but i think that when a price tag that big is put on something it gives people this attitude of like you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I belong to this school or I, um, can you hear me still? Yeah. I took the ear, uh, ear pods out. Yeah. I can still hear you fine. Um, Good. yeah, you're fine. Um, changes a little bit. It's interesting how, how it does, but we can still hear you fine. Okay. Um, but yeah, like the, the, uh, the whole thing is, we're we're always students and i think that that's really it is that we're always students and even when we're in a position of being a mentor you should take that kind of view of things because i and and i've had to take a lot of time in my life especially growing up uh i mean you're always growing up too um just just being humbled I've been very arrogant and that's what a lot of that school was. There's a lot of, a lot of arrogance uh, in that school, either from people who had really, really busted their ass to get there. You know, they were like, you know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna just accept you because you walk through the door. Who the fuck are you? Or, or people who, you know, by their, you know, socioeconomic station is like, I'm, you know, like I am so-and-so's kid or, you know, my, you know, <laughs> it's just their attitude of just entitlement. They'd have no understanding of anything outside of that. And, you know, there's, there's all of Baltimore city. I mean, it's a very, I mean, every other block is a different block in Baltimore city. It's yeah. I was explaining that to my friend from Sweden it's yeah. like it's hard to explain unless you walk around and see how drastic it can change in a moment man like you're in one moment you're like oh this is nice and the next minute you're like oh shit man should I even be here like <laughs> yeah it's true um but yeah like 
that was that was kind of the thing at Micah. And um, you know, it was something that when uh I mean you were a part of a very pivotal pivotal time for me, you know, uh, clinically you'd call it a nervous breakdown. I call it an awakening. Um <laughs> but you were you were my boyfriend at that time and it was uh it was it was crazy, man. And I don't think a lot of um a lot of humans really go through something like that, um, nor parents or anything like that. It's a, it's a multifaceted thing that can teach. Um, but yeah, that happened with you <laughs> as my boyfriend. <laughs> it did happen. And I thought, you know, before the breakthrough happened, I really couldn't have been more happier, really. I was like, wow, you know, it's really like, you know, a relationship that's really kind of flowing and all of a sudden it was like wow we're going through something really transformative but at the time it was like this is this is deep this is a really you know this person is really having a you know transformation of their consciousness and everybody's freaking out and you weren't you you were you were calm in the storm man like in a lot of ways so is your mom yeah yeah <laughs> I mean, you know, after some stuff blew over and, you know, you got, you get back to freedom and, you know, recovering, it's like, you know, it's just one of those growing things, you know, it was, I remember sort of talking to you and it was like, have you ever had a, I was kind of questioning, you ever had like a rebellious sort of phase, like a teenage where you're just like to your parents, like, no, I'm going to, you know, spike my hair or I'm going to get a time get here. And I don't think that you had had that and I think it came a little late later than some other people everything happens late for me I'm always I'm all I'm always coming to it late right. I mean you hear the term fashionably late I mean I hopefully you can spin it <laughs> or like the finest wines take the longest to what, what the fuck but <laughs> I'm always late like it's fine um but yeah that's how it's, it is it's, it's better than burning out because you did so much, you know, crazy stuff when you were, you know, 12 or 13 or you got into some, you know, things that teenagers get into and they, by the time they get 30, 35, it's like, oh man, you know, they're kind of spent. So there's something to be said for developing at your own pace, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's mine. So I, at this point, I'm just, I'm grateful. Like I'm just, that's where I'm at, but you know, like everything for me. And that's, that's the thing you know, have you on here is, uh, and to talk about how your art has evolved to shine light on you. You've been a, a, an important character in, uh, my story. And, you know, I think that, uh, you offered a lot of that humility and perspective and, and, um, yeah. And I'm happy to hear that I did the same for you and your art in, in some ways, because that's that's the thing that I try to tell people uh, via the podcast is you while you're sitting there admiring somebody else, you have no idea who might be admiring you. And, you know, the, the things that you discount about yourself might very well be the things that are some of your best qualities. You know, like it's a it's an important thing to constantly, um, you know re-examine and think about it in a, in a different way. And, um, 
you know, in terms of old relationships, you know, I, there's only one that I hope to never revisit again. And it's, it's, there's no, it's just, there's no reason. Uh, I was such a lost person when I met this person that I don't, I don't even identify with who I was anymore. Was it Kentucky? Kentucky? Yeah. 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 He reached out, but I, I was like, no, I, um, I think this is, it's better that we don't, uh, I'm, I'm done. Uh, I appreciate what you had to say, but I'm done. (laughs) And and he, he never replied back, but you know, I mean, I, I'll go out on record by saying I appreciate him saying something, I guess. Um, but it it was um yeah, that's the only that's the only person that I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, no. Because everybody else I feel like it 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 was reflective of me. Like to cast you out would be to cast out something that very much so is me and is a part of my life and you know like you know we're not meant for forever but but at least you know in this life as far as that kind of relationship but you know it it was meant to be and it was a part of me so I can't I can't reject that and you know I don't reject the other one too I just am like yeah it's that's it that's it that's that's that whole thing. Some people are in your life for a reason. Some people are there for a season. Some people are there for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and I've always taken a position of like, I genuinely like the people that I date or else I wouldn't date them. You know, like just because we didn't work in one facet doesn't mean that we aren't, you know, that we didn't like certain aspects of each other, but for better or for worse, sometimes I think, and I think it's been true of a lot of my, obviously my past with Rico, he's the type of person that we amplify each other. Our insecurities don't knock each other down. They, they are recognized, seen and safeguarded and, and kind of nurtured to like grow and, and not be hit. Whereas I think with you and me, it was always like, I'm going to, I'm going to punch you in the face and I'm going to punch you in the face and punch you in the face. <laughs> it was it was definitely some yeah some clashing a little bit it was just different perspectives coming from different places you know but not when I went through I'm getting back not when I went through my my breakdown you were you were the calm in the storm I think that you were perfect for that because we were both kind of seeking something or needing something transformative you were actively seeking it whereas I was needed it I needed it to like, it had to happen to me. Yeah. Um, so, and you know, my mom will forever consider you the dark prince, uh, (laughs) which is fine. (laughs) Yeah. It's sort of a, I have a thing called magnetism of desires. It's like what people call manifestation. It's Mm -hmm. something that's going on inside of you. That's developing energy or some sort of force. And, all of a sudden it happened, you know, there's some person or a situation where it's like, oh man, this is what was going on. And now it's here, mm-hmm. you know, and I've had it happen plenty of times. And I, I kind of talk about it. It's a theme I bring up, you know, uh, just recently I was like, oh, I used to have a lot of international friends, you know, people from Africa and Australia and Italy and, you know, Russia. And then all of a sudden, you know, a, a person pops up. So, 
it can be in a creative sense. It could be in a lifestyle change. It could be a person you meet, but I'm a firm believer in that. And now you, you, not everything is going to manifest, you know, I'm going to win a lottery. You know, I, I don't really know exactly how it all works, but I guess there are some things in your life that are sort of a constant and some things can be sort of, you know, tweaked or changed or, or what have you, but I've, I've seen it enough to believe that, uh, that sort of manifestation of, of a desire you have is, is very real. And well, and with you, it's a, it's a, the, the term dark prince, the reason why it doesn't, um, maybe it suits you, but like, I think that, um, there's a there's a a villainy to it that is inappropriate because you're not none of how i see you is intentionally doing anything like the reason why you have international friends is because you're you're always curious you're always asking questions and you love with that in our interview is like well how can i how did they do this how do they do this and i feel like that's been a big part of your artistic process and life process has just been Hey, hi. How are you? Who are you? What, what can, what can, what can we share? What, what, what can we exchange? And how does this happen? And what does this happen? And you know, be, the, probably the reason why you were attracted to me is because I was such an arrogant little shit that I was always telling everybody how I thought things were. You were like, "Oh, this is great!" Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, that sort of thing went beyond like the physical thing. You know, it was something. I've had that where I'm like, oh, you know, that person's really attractive. You know, I really, they're physically beautiful. And, you know, when you like art, you can look at a person and see sort of a sort of beauty. But, it, you know, it, it was that. And it, it kind of it kind of went beyond that, you know. And then, it, it, then with relationships, it kind of bounces back and forth. You know, uh, we don't always see things one way. You know, it's not always going to be like, oh, this is a spiritual thing, you know. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. we can't exist in that sort of mindset at all times. I will, I will admit that um, a big part of why we came together was because you did see me as very beautiful and I did not see myself that way. And, um, you know, I, I struggle with body dysmorphia quite a bit. Um, and, you know, just being, I mean, Rico, he tells me I'm beautiful every day and I, I, I wish to God I'm, I'm praying about it actually, that I can start seeing it <laughs> because it's, it's crazy because you, you know, I, I, I definitely don't, I know I don't see what other people see. <laughs> Yeah, I remember you had a self-portrait and it was not uh, a happy, it was more somber. And I just, I did sort of pick up on that. But I, I just think you really sort of came into your own being as I, when I knew you, you sort of blossomed, you know. Because of you, I think, because you gave me such perspective, like it, it was necessary, you know, like you said, it, it was not, I did not have um, a normal rebellious phase and you were my rebellion, which is why you get labeled that way by, you know, certain characters in my life that are very protective of me, but it, it you and yourself are, um, and I think that's why you are the artist you are, when people go from this this podcast to seek you out uh, and the things that you've made I think they'll understand it a little bit uh, as far as that because 
there is I mean it kind of is like this this podcast because I the the big tagline is raw to refined Mm. there's a lot of rawness in you and I I like that aspect to the to the and and it's the work that you're attracted to too right yeah Uh, one of my influences is Robert Maplethorpe and he first got a camera and you know he was tying ropes around his balls I mean he's just like he really went for it and was like I'm just gonna go for it and do this and it's fresh in my mind because I I recently watched a documentary on him um so so yeah I'm attracted to sort of get right into what the feeling is and go for it you know in a in a very personal and intense way you know and He's something, someone that I saw who did that. And another one I like is David Lynch because he sort of, he mixes the dream reality, subconscious and the conscious, you know, uh, really well. Angelo Bellamenti, I hope I said his name right. Uh, He's the composer for Twin Peaks and Blue Velvet and Mulholland. Yeah, Mulholland Drive. He just passed away uh, yesterday. Oh, wow. Damn. R.I.P. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, rest in peace. But, you know, just I, I like to let the conscious like, oh, I'm going to do this and it's going to shape this way. I really like to let that kind of go and just sort of tap into, uh, you know, that what is the feeling? What is the raw sort of what am I trying to get to? What's what I'm trying to get across? And a lot of the photography that I when I realized I could self-portrait, you know, kind of set up the camera on a tripod and put a timer on, I was like, oh, well, you know, I can just do, create a kind of image with myself because I wasn't really shooting models at that point. And it was like sort of spontaneous. You know, it was, uh, you know, I let the little, the other consciousness kind of dictate my actions, you know, whether I'm going to jump against the wall, or I'm going to hold a pipe, you know, while I'm standing up and sort of get a, composition that way one time I was just like in a shower and you saw my silhouette with my hand against the because the shower was like kind of transparent it was one of those things so I really like to to do that and let that because that really feels good that really is like oh really I really let that part go and in real life you know I can be sort of mild-mannered and you know, oh, I'm just going to go with the flow. I'm laid back guy, you know, and then let that intensity come through what I'm sort of creating. And then after that, be like, oh, okay, now we can go back to, a, you know, regular sort of life situations. Yeah. I, um, I think that uh, there's, there's a, like I said, there's just a, there's a purity to your stuff that's all about exploring and the willingness to, I think, go places that a lot of people are not willing to go just because they've been overtaught sometimes. Like, because you've had to hack a lot of things on your own, you've kind of, you know, like, I, I see this, uh, you know, it, it's slower than it could be if you were just handed it, but it's, there's once once everything fits into place it's gonna it's gonna ignite into something really really cool and you've already made some really really beautiful things um i love your um klimt uh photography session that was beautiful 
That's gorgeous. Thanks. That was kind of coming off a sort of failed shoot. And when you really fail at something, it it can be good because it's like, wow, (laughs) (laughs) really went bad. So it's sort of like, how can I prepare? You know, that was the thing. I wasn't prepared for an idea I had. And, you know, it was a disaster. So when the Klimt idea came, came about, you know, looking at his paintings and just sort of like, oh, maybe I can translate that with a model. And I, I sought out a model that I probably wouldn't usually, you know, seek out. You know, she was very experienced and really good at poses. And she was extremely sim, which is mm-hmm. usually not sort of, you know, the Ruben S sort of figure I kind of go for. But I was like, she's going to make some good images. You know, mm-hmm. my, my friend Greg was there to help me, but I stayed up all night. I, I don't even think I slept. You know, I got, you know, some, it was like Utrecht back in the day. I got some like backdrop that was kind of like wallpaper. And Greg helped me with the, Greg is my assistant photographer and director. He helped me out. And it was sort of, you know, just redeeming the process. It's like, oh, I, I can do this. This can work. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah. it's, you know, there's not all that training that gives you that level of confidence. It's, there's an inner confidence you have to have when you don't have a lot of, you know, like formal training. So, you know, it was, it was studying poses. And, you know, I put, I put more effort and preparation into it. Yeah. I learned to do that, you know, in the future because there was one sort of thing where it was like, uh, you know, a Little Red Riding Hood concept. There's the Big Bad Wolf. There's Little Red Riding Hood. And, you know, they get together and, you know, it's uh, sort of erotic. And I, I, I was winging it I really winged it you know we went to party city we got a smoke machine it didn't work you know I think I I think I tripped over the light I mean the energy was just like you know so it it really it really didn't work you can't really wing there was good stills from that though I think yeah there were some a couple things I I rescued Mm -hmm. Um, one thing was a photoshop rescue Mm -hmm. but you know, it was a learning. It was a it was a learning experience. Well, I mean, when you go through that much, you better rescue something from it. You know, whether it's Photoshop or not. Like just just knowing Photoshop well enough to rescue something is a skill in itself. So, you know that that's one of the things that I learned throughout my my education was how to take on Photoshop, and and you just took that on yourself. So. And that's what I mean is like, you know, I think that a lot of uh, a lot of what, you know, is is pretty amazing, given the fact that I know you haven't had any formal you know, education in it, except if, for like it, I did go to community college. So well, for, I know. Yeah, yeah. Did yeah. you get exposure there for Photoshop? Yeah. OK, yeah. so like they give you a baseline. Yeah, we had a teacher named Mr. Creamer. And I thought it was cool, like cream, creamer. Kramer you know so yeah. Anyway. yeah anyway he he taught us you know how to erase things how to duplicate images and so I was able to go back and erase some you know some things in that shoot and rescue some things so that was very helpful and it was a fun experience to because I, I went to the Maryland Institute I went to a college fair and there was one lady who said oh your images are flat you know, I'm like, all right, you know, flat, okay. 
<laughs> what does and that then, mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What does that mean? And then, and then the one advisor said, "Well, you can come to our university, but you, you're not going to get by on willpower alone." And I was like, "All right, that's that's true. That's probably true. I can't work, <laughs> I can't willpower myself through everything, you know." But the Maryland Institute said, "Go to community college and." Get, mm. you know, get some good grades and come back and apply and you know you might have a you might have a shot so I, I ended up going to Catonsville CCBC mm-hmm. for, for a couple mm-hmm. of years and it was it was really cool it was really besides the hour and a half hour and a half it took me to get out there on the bus mm. you know to, I can't imagine <laughs> in the cold what? you know to get through. on a bus I I did have a car I mean I did drive pretty far to get into college for my first one but yeah uh, so that's good and you are going to you're currently taking a class right at, the, at Micah I uh, I registered and they only had like three people and I was really concerned it was a advanced video editing class for uh, Premiere Pro and it was like advanced graphics and things like and I was like oh this would be really nice to learn because you could get some more jobs you know video editing and they informed me that it was low enrollment they weren't going to have it so oh bummer it was yeah i was like man no (laughs) i'm here like i mean honestly i i um you might want to skip the jump and just uh just apply to some jobs honestly because you know what i'm finding is you you probably know way more than what you think you do and a lot of jobs uh as i'm saying you know with the apprenticeship diaries and apprenticeship a lot of them will will put you in alignment with the kind of information they need you to know yeah. so um if you you know get hired uh you're probably going to show enough capacity and then you know you're you're a, you're good at talking about what you need and asking for what you need so i think that's that's all you need in order to work with somebody you know yeah it's just i sort of learned in my own way and i had a lot of difficulty in school you know with math and things like that or you know it was, it was one point where i was talking to a friend about this it was a sort of traumatizing there was a a math problem the teacher said you know go to the board and solve it you know typical elementary school situation and I just couldn't get it right I was like I can't I don't understand this and she said well you have to stay up there until you get it right and so that pretty much took the whole class period and after that it was like you know uh, sort of one knockdown after another in, in math in that particular subject I had tutors and it just really wasn't working and recently I had a counselor. I had sort of a school counselor because of some home situations. And I looked up, you know, is there a sort of, you know, disability or something? I looked up, I found this word and I told the counselor in high school, I said, yeah, I think I got this, you know, it's called dyscalculia. dyscalculia. And she, she said, oh yeah, you know, that's what we have you as. And I hadn't thought about it in 20 years. And I just struggle with you know numbers and spatial forget about like my son's school it's like oh we're gonna find your classroom and I remember going to the classroom and then I'm like how do I get the hell out of here like I don't know how to get out of this like it's a maze to me so 
I, I looked it up and recently and I was like, yeah, you know, there's a name for it. People say neurodivergent or whatever. Yeah. Um, I mean, we all, I think, are on some semblance of a spectrum within that. But like when somebody just looks at you and says, oh, your your picture's flat. You know, and you're suffering from that. You're like, what does that mean? <laughs> like and and that's honestly like that's a it's a it's something I hope that this podcast in a long form will be able to communicate with people is that you know it's all the things that we go through um you know pursuing our passion is is a lot of learning how to communicate with other people is really challenging and how to teach each other and how to ask you know the questions necessary to push to the next level it's it's hard it's hard to do that it's hard in the face of somebody that you might perceive as an authoritative figure too. Yeah. That's been a, uh, that's been something that, um, <laughs> I mean, that's not a problem for me. I don't see, I don't like, I'm just such an asshole. I'm like, who are you to tell me? So I always, I push down that, but it's a, it's a halting factor with a lot of people like, Oh, this is my teacher. I shouldn't you know. I shouldn't push back or I shouldn't, you know, ask this further, but like, well, no, you, you should because that's why you're there and if that teacher resents that question then they're not a good teacher that concludes part one come back for part two and be sure to follow anthony on instagram at anthony red art he's doing some beautiful work thanks anthony and thanks as always listeners thanks for listening you can find the apprenticeship diaries on twitter facebook and instagram our ig is the underscore apprenticeship underscore diaries if you would like to offer constructive criticism or an interview, drop us an email at theapprenticeshipdiaries at gmail.com. We, we look, look forward, forward to hearing, hearing from, from our, our listeners. listeners.